Betray, meaning do not betray, also do not betray. Amanatikum, your trusts. Wa antum ta'lamun, while you know. What is khiyana? Cheating someone. Do not do what is expected of you. Do not give to the other what is due to them. How? By deceiving them. Like for example, You say to them that yes, I will go and do this work for you and I will do this properly and completely. And then when they ask you, did you do it? You're like, yeah, yeah, I did it. But you didn't do it completely. This is betraying the other person. This is khiyana. Likewise, somebody gives you something to keep for some time and what do you do? You never return it to them. You never hand it over to them. They keep calling you, you ignore their phone calls. Somebody gives you something to do, you never hand it in. You never hand it in. They ask you, you ignore them. They come after you, you pretend as if you didn't see them. You avoid them. This is all what? Khiyana. So khiyana essentially is what? How would you summarize it? Betrayal. Cheating. Hmm? So la takhunullaha wa rasul. Do not betray. Do not reduce the haqq of Allah and His Messenger. Do not fail to perform the duties and the obligations that have been imposed on you from Allah and His Messenger. Rather, what should you do? Obey Allah and His Messenger with sincerity, with honesty. Take the example of wudu. Amanah is what? That when a person is obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, performing wudu, then they perform it properly. They wash their hands, their face, rinse their mouth, their nose, their arms, everything properly and completely. So what is khiyana in that? That a person does not care to remove the nail polish from their nails and then perform wudu. You understand? Person says, yeah, whatever, it's okay. No big deal. You think Allah is not watching you? You think He doesn't know that you've got nail polish on your nails and your wudu will not be proper with that nail polish on? You have to remove it so that your nails can get wet so that you can have complete wudu. What is khiyana in salah? That a person knows that now the sun has risen. The time of Fajr has ended. But yet, what do they do? As the sun is rising, they say, never mind, it's okay, I'll just pray. No, you're not supposed to be praying while the sun is rising. Hmm? You're supposed to pray either before it begins to rise or when it has completely risen. Khiyana in salah. That a person is performing the prayer. Why? Just to satisfy other people. They don't have wudu. They don't have wudu. They're just praying so that, you know, their mom knows that, okay, fine, they prayed. They're not interested in prayer. This is khiyana. Khiyana. With regards to rukur, with regards to sujood. Instead of saying, subhana rabbi al-a'la, a person barely says subhana and then he gets up immediately. This is salah? This is khiyana? Is this performing your duty properly? Is this performing your obligations? No. So, لا تَخُونُ اللَّهَ وَالرَّسُولُ وَتَخُونُ أَمَانَاتِكُمْ And do not even betray your trusts, meaning those that are given to you by people. 
Whether it is in the form of responsibilities, assigned jobs, assigned tasks, things that are deposited with you for safekeeping, whatever it is, do not betray it. Your body is an amana. Right? Your life is an amana. Your money is an amana. Your health is an amana. So don't betray the trusts that have been given to you, whether they are given to you by Allah or His Messenger or the people who are around you. وَعْلَمُوا أَنَّوْا أَنَّمَا That indeed not but أَمْوَالُكُمْ Your wealth, your properties, وَأَوْلَادُكُمْ And your children. What are they? Fitna. They are a temptation. They are a trial for you. Because usually, why is it that people betray their trusts? So for example, a person borrows money from someone. I'll borrow a hundred dollars from you. I'll return it to you tomorrow. I'll return it to you after two weeks. After two weeks, the person calls, where's my money? And you don't pick up the phone, they leave the message in the answering machine. You don't respond, you don't respond, you don't respond. This is khiyana. Why did a person do that khiyana? In love of that money. They have the money. They got their money, they can give it to them, but they don't want to separate from those hundred dollars. They don't want to have to sell something to pay off their debt. They don't want to keep away from something, keep away from buying something in order to return the debt. They don't want to because they love their things, they love their possessions, they love their money. So many times it is money that becomes a cause of cheating. Khiyana. Right? Your dad gives you fifty dollars, go buy this book for yourself and go buy your lunch and the rest of the money, give it back to me. And you never give any change back to your dad. And he's like, what happened? Oh, the book was $55. I had to pay $5 from my pocket. He's like, where's the receipt? Oh, I, I don't have it. I don't have it. Lying. The book was $10 and $40 you enjoyed with your friends. This is khiyana, right? So it is for the love of money that many people do khiyana. It is the love for children that becomes a cause of khiyana. Love for children becomes a cause of khiyana. How? If you think about it, people want to make money illegally, in the wrong ways. They don't want to pay their taxes. All khiyana. Why? So that they have more to spend on their children. So that their children can be happy. They can look cute in those lovely clothes. They can have that lovely nice bed and that room that you've always dreamed of and that nursery and all those toys. It's because of the children that people do khiyana. Once a baby was brought to the Prophet ﷺ and the Prophet ﷺ hugged that baby, you know, picked him up, he showed love and the Prophet ﷺ said, إِنَّ الْوَلَدَ مَبْخَلَ مَجْبَنَ That these children... They make their parents cowards and stingy. Majbana mabukhala. They create jubun, meaning weakness, cowardice, and they create bukhl, mabukhala. Is that true? Oh yeah. That same woman who had so much strength and energy, now when she sees her baby, she's like, oh. I can't pray. I can't go to this class. I can't go here. I can't go there. I can't drive. I can't do this. I can't do that. There's a list of excuses. Children make a person weak, 
All that confidence, gone. It's shattered. And also, they make a person stingy. Because he has the money, he can give it in charity, but then he thinks, I want to buy that jacket for my child. She thinks, the mother thinks. right? I saw those cute clothes, I have to buy them for my daughter. How can I not buy it? I saw those cute cushions, I have to buy them for her bed. I have to buy this for her nursery. I have to buy that toy. You know what? Spending on your children is also charity. So I'll do that charity. And I won't feed this hungry child. I'll just buy more clothes for my children that I hate washing. But I'll buy them anyway. Because they're so cute. So what happens is that children, they make the parents weak and stingy. Many of you don't understand what I'm talking about. But you will know one day. Inshallah. But the Prophet ﷺ said, and they are the flowers of the Almighty. They're also too cute. They're irresistible. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made them like that. Right? So anyway, what do we learn here? That many times the reason for khiyana is what? Wealth and children. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ عِنْدَهُ أَجْلٌ عَظِيمٌ Allah has a greater reward for you. Allah has a great reward with Him. If you separate from a hundred dollars now, as difficult as it is, and you're truthful and honest in your dealings, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has much more reward waiting for you. So strive for that, aim for that. This is why in the Qur'an we learn, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَا تُلْهِكُمْ أَمْوَالُكُمْ وَلَا أَوْلَادُكُمْ عَنْ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ O believers, don't let your wealth and your children distract you from remembering Allah. وَمَن يَفْعَلْ ذَلِكَ فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْخَاسِرُونَ And whoever does that, meaning he gets distracted by his wealth and children from remembering Allah, then such people, they're losers. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا O you who have believed, إِن تَتَّقُوا اللَّهَ If you fear Allah, then what will happen? يَجْعَلْ He will make لَكُمْ for you فُرْقَانًا A criterion. If you have taqwa of Allah, if you fear Allah, If you demonstrate that fear and you obey Allah in private and in secret, then what will happen? Allah will give you furqan. What is furqan? Criterion from faraqa. Criterion that gives you the ability to differentiate between what is right, what is wrong. What should be done, what should not be done. Think about the time when the Prophet ﷺ was in that situation where they had to make a decision. Do we go after the caravan? Do we go face the army or do we go back home? Was that a very important decision to make? Yes. Was it critical? Yes. Was it something that he could delay? Could he just delay it for a week and say, I'll think about it a week later? No, it was urgent. Do we end up in such situations where we have to make immediate decisions which are critical, which are major, and... They're also very, very important in the sense that if you make a wrong decision, you could really suffer in the future. You better make the right decision. So at that time, to make the right decision, what do you need? Clarity of mind. The ability to distinguish between what is going to be good, what is going to have a good outcome in the long run, and what is not going to be favorable in the long run. Do you need that farsightedness? Yes. And it happens many times in life. So what happens is, when a person has fear of Allah in every situation, and because of that fear, he remains honest, he remains sincere, 
then what will happen? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give him the ability to make the right decision and have peace of mind. To distinguish between what is right and what is wrong. Fear of Allah, what does it lead to? Honesty and sincerity. Fear of Allah, it leads to what? Honesty, sincerity, truthfulness. And when a person is truthful, sincere, honest, then what will he have? Clarity. Then he will have clarity. Then his thinking, his emotions are not mixed up. He can distinguish between reality and his biases. He can distinguish between reality and his own false assumptions. You understand? Sincerity, honesty, they lead to clarity. Because a person knows, I want well for this person, I want the best for this person. So then they have clarity of mind. And with that clarity, they can make the right decisions and they can ultimately have peace of mind. So O oh believers, if you fear Allah, Allah will give you that criterion. Allah will give you that clarity. He will give you the ability to distinguish between right and wrong, between reality and your false assumptions. And He will expiate from you your sins. And He will forgive you. And Allah is possessor of great bounty. So fear Him and reap the benefits of taqwa of Allah. Taqwa of Allah is basically when a person's heart is alive and conscious. He's not negligent. He's not heedless. He's alert. And when you're alert, when you're conscious, then you can really see things. But if you're half asleep, then can you see things? Can you tell between what is right and what is wrong? No, you can't understand. So taqwa of Allah makes you more alert and conscious. It sharpens your mind. It gives you clarity. It makes you alert. So you are really able to see. You can have farsightedness. And this is true with every act of obedience. Not just taqwa of Allah, but every act of obedience. It makes that person more sharp in his abilities, in his skills. Many times you'll hear about children who memorized the Qur'an, went back to school, and completed their high school in one year. Have you heard these stories? Many times. Why? Because they've memorized the Qur'an, their mind is so sharp now, they're able to understand so quickly because they have the ability to focus. They can focus really well. They have self-control. And as a result, no matter what they do in life, they do really well. But that's if they have really done it properly. But if they've done it with khiyana, if they've memorized the Qur'an with khiyana, in the sense that they cheat when they're reciting in front of their teacher, then what happens? They fail in their hifs, and they fail in everything in life. This is why Allah says, stay away from khiyana. Sincerity, honesty, taqwa, they will sharpen you, they will make you a better, more skilled human being. وَإِذْ يَمْكُرُوا بِكَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds the Prophet ﷺ of more blessings so that he has more confidence, more tawakkul on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the future. Recall when he was plotting against you. Who? الَّذِينَ kafaru, Those who disbelieve. Why were they plotting against you? لِيُسْبِتُوكَ So that they could restrain you. يُسْبِتُوكَ From sabata isbat. What does it mean? Sabata is to be firm, right? So isbat is to make something stay in one place. So they wanted to make you stay in one place, meaning imprison you. 
They were planning to either prison you, imprison you, أو يقتلوك, or kill you, أو يخرجوك, or expel you from Mecca. وَيَمْكُرُونَ And they were plotting. And while they were plotting, وَيَمْكُرُ اللَّهُ And Allah was also planning. وَاللَّهُ خَيْرُ الْمَاكِرِينَ And Allah is the best of planners. What is this referring to? Ibn Abbas mentioned that some of the chiefs of Mecca, and these were noble people who had great status in the society, they all gathered together. Among them was also Abu Jahl. So you can understand which kind of people were in this group. So they gathered together in Darun Nadwa, in their council, where they would have their meetings. And basically, they were really sick of, they were very fed up with the matter of the Prophet ﷺ and the Muslims, and they wanted to just get it over with. But the thing is that they couldn't just kill him. Because if they killed him, he belonged to a very noble tribe. And remember that in Arabia, you supported your tribesmen, even if you disagreed with them. Somebody belongs to your tribe, even if you hate him and you have a personal problem with him. But if somebody has opposed them, you're going to stand up to defend them. Alright? So even though the people were mushrikeen, but if they belonged to the tribe of the Prophet ﷺ, they were obliged to support him and defend him. So this is the reason why the mushrikeen, they weren't able to simply go and kill him. Alright? So they sat together discussing, what should we do? We've had enough of this. We better take some action before the problem escalates. So they all sat together. And Shaytan, Iblis, he also came in the form of an old man to participate in that discussion. When the people saw this man, they're like, who are you? You're not a person who lives in Mecca. He said, I've come from such and such place and I am such and such person. So they said, oh, welcome. And they basically involved him in their discussion. So they all discussed as to what to do with the Prophet ﷺ. One of them, he said, imprison Muhammad ﷺ. You imprison him, and what will happen? That's it. He won't be able to do da'wah. He won't be able to call people. Iblis, who was in the form of this man, he said that, no, it's not a good idea. Because if you imprison him, he can always get out. He can always escape. And if he escapes, then again, back to square one. So then what happened? Another person, he said, expel him. Another man sitting in that council, he said, expel Muhammad. Expel him from Makkah. Tell him you're not allowed to live here. Iblis said, no way. If you expel him, he's going to gather more strength somewhere else. And he's going to come and attack you. And he's going to come and take over you basically. If you expel him, then you're giving him the freedom to gain popularity all over the world. And eventually you'll be overcome. And then they discussed many things. And eventually Abu Jahl spoke. Abu Jahl said, I have an idea that no one else has suggested yet. And I see no better opinion for you. Choose a strong and socially elevated young man from each tribe and give every single one of them a sharp sword. And then all of them should strike Muhammad ﷺ together at the same time with the swords and kill him. When they'll all kill him together, when they'll all share in that crime, then what will happen? The tribe of Muhammad ﷺ will not be able to take revenge from so many tribes. You understand? When they won't be able to take revenge from so many tribes, what will they do? They will say, okay, we'll just take blood money. 
And we can always give them blood money. We have all that money. We have that wealth. So Iblis, he said, yes. This man has expressed the best opinion. And I do not support any other opinion. So what happened? They ended their meeting. And they planned which men should go. They all waited outside the home of the Prophet ﷺ, waiting for him to come out in the middle of the night to go to the haram to perform his prayers. So that as soon as he comes out, they will all together attack him. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he was also planning. And what did he do? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informed the Prophet ﷺ, and he was told to leave Mecca, do hijrah. Medina was already prepared now. You see, Allah's plan was working out from before. Because the pledge of Aqaba had already taken place. There were people from Medina who had come become Muslim. And the work had already started in Medina. Alright? Planning for hijrah had already been done. So the Prophet ﷺ came out. All those men were asleep basically. They didn't see him. And he left with Abu Bakr anhu, And he did the hijrah. So the Prophet ﷺ is being reminded, who saved you? Who rescued you at that time? They had a whole plan set in place. They wanted to kill you. They had such a strong plan. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also had a plan. So when a person is upon the truth, then Allah's help is with him. And when Allah's help is with him, then he's got the best planning. Because who's planning his affairs? Who's planning his affairs? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know like people, who plans their affairs? Some mastermind, some this skilled intelligence worker, whatever. But who's planning the matters of the believer? Allah azza wa jal. And his plans are the best ones. Because he can actually carry them out. People, their plans can fail. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his plans, they can never fail. وَإِذَا تُتْلَى عَلَيْهِمْ And when it is recited to them, ayatuna our verses, قَالُوا they say, قَدْ سَمِعْنَا We have already heard. Their pride towards the Qur'an is being mentioned. How proud are they with the Qur'an? That when they hear the ayat of Allah, they say, we've already heard, we know. Yeah, I know, my mom told me 10 years ago. I've heard this from my childhood. They say, لَوْ نَشَاءُ If we wanted, لَقُلْنَا Surely we would have said, مِثْلَ هَذَا Something like that. If we wanted, we could have produced something like the Qur'an. In هَذَا إِلَّا أَسَاطِيرُ الْأَوَّلِينَ This Qur'an is nothing except for the legends of the former people. It's just stories that the people of the past, الْأَوَّلِينَ The first ones, meaning the former people, they made up these stories, and now these stories are mentioned in the Qur'an. Muhammad ﷺ is narrating them as if they were revelation from God. Basically their rejection is mentioned. And notice how they call the Qur'an stories. There was a man, Al-Nadr bin Haris. He went to Persia. And he came across the culture and you know, all the stories over there. He learned many things over there. He came back to Mecca. And every time the Prophet ﷺ would be calling people to the truth, reciting the Qur'an, what would he do? He would say, come people, I'll tell you stories also. And then he would start telling stories of Rustum, of war basically of chivalry, of strength. And the people would go and listen to his stories. And he would say, my stories are better than the stories of Muhammad sallallahu So, in This is their attitude with the Qur'an, with the truth. And when they said, Allahumma, O Allah, in kana, if it was, hadha this, meaning Muhammad sallallahu his matter, the Qur'an, if it is, huwa, it is al-haq, the truth, min indik from you, 
Meaning, if Muhammad ﷺ is upon the truth, if what he's saying is the truth, then فَأَمْطِرْ Then you rain down. عَلَيْنَا Upon us hijaratan Rocks, stones مِنَ السَّمَاءِ From the sky. أو or اِئْتِنَا You come to us, meaning you send us بِعَذَابٍ أَلِيمٍ A painful punishment. Remember that Abu Jahl, he said this, when the battle of Badr was to be fought, he said this, that, O oh Allah, if this Qur'an is indeed the truth from you, then rain down stones on us from the sky or bring on us a painful punishment. Because if we're not believing, then we should be punished. So if he's upon the truth, then please punish us. Look at the stubbornness of this man. And there are many people who behave in the same way. I'm not changing. Whatever can happen, can happen. But I'm not going to change. I refuse. And that's exactly what these people did. If they ask for anything, instead of asking for guidance, what are they asking for? Punishment. سَأَلَ سَائِلٌ بِعَذَابٍ وَاقِعٌ A sail, a questioner, what did he demand? Adab, punishment. If the truth is unclear to you, you're not sure, what should you ask Allah for? Guidance or punishment? Guidance. But many people, what do they ask for? You know what? If I'm wrong, I should be punished immediately. The earth should split open and I should just fall inside. And if all this is wrong, then you know what? My life should be miserable. But it's not. And when it's not, that means that I am right. This is what people do. وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ But Allah says that He would not لِيُعَذِّبَهُمْ at all punish them. Allah would not punish these people وَأَنْتَ فِيهِمْ while you are amongst them. Because as long as a messenger of Allah is within His people, within the nation whom he's calling, then the punishment of Allah does not come. Remember the stories of the people of the past that we learned? Every time a punishment was supposed to come, what was the messenger told? Leave. When he left, then the punishment came. So while Muhammad ﷺ was still in Mecca, the punishment did not come. Even though 13 years of disbelief, 13 years of disbelief and arrogance and stubbornness had passed, yet the punishment of Allah did not come. And this is a warning. The punishment did not come while you were amongst them. Now you've migrated to Medina. And now they've come with their weapons against you, their arms against you. So now definitely Allah is going to punish them. But in a different way. The previous nations were destroyed how? By natural disasters. But the mushrikeen at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, those who disbelieved in him, how were they destroyed? At the hands of who? the believers. This is why we see that at the battle of Badr, 70 people were killed, 70 were taken as as prisoners. So, وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُعَذِّبَهُمْ وَأَنْتَ فِيهِمْ وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ And Allah would not مُعَذِّبَهُمْ want to punish them وَهُمْ يَسْتَغْفِرُونَ While they're seeking forgiveness. Because remember that the mushrikeen, even though they committed shit, they would still ask Allah for forgiveness. That, oh Allah, you forgive us. But you see how, now the Prophet ﷺ was no longer there. And now their prayers of forgiveness, seeking forgiveness, turned into what? Prayers of asking for punishment. They were seeking forgiveness and now they're saying, if this is the truth, then you punish us with a rain of stones. So what do we learn here? Two things prevent punishment. First of all, the presence of the messenger, the presence of the people who are calling to the truth, who are doing amr bil ma'roof wa nahiyan al munkar and secondly seeking forgiveness seeking forgiveness istighfar as long as this is happening in a society 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is merciful towards the people. He gives them respite. He lets them live. Perhaps they will have a chance to repent. But when these two factors are no longer there, then a society is very vulnerable. Very vulnerable. When there are no people calling to the truth, and when there are no people begging Allah for forgiveness. When the attitude of the people changes, then what happens? The punishment of Allah descends. وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ مُعَذِّبَهُمْ وَهُمْ يَسْتَغْفِرُونَ وَمَا لَهُمْ Allah says, and what is with them? Meaning, why should not? Allah, that not. يُعَذِّبَهُمُ اللَّهُ Allah would punish them. Meaning, why would Allah not punish them? وَهُمْ يَصُدُّونَ While they stop, عَنِ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ From the masjid that is sacred. What is a sacred mosque? The Kaaba and its surroundings. In other words, these people deserve to be punished now. Why? Because A, the messenger is no longer among them. B, Instead of seeking forgiveness, they're asking for punishment. See what's going on? They are stopping people from going to the Kaaba. They're stopping people from worshipping Allah. Were they doing that? Of course. So much so that the Muslims were not able to live in Mecca anymore. They had to leave Mecca. They had to leave the Masjid al-Haram in order to save their lives. Why are they stopping people from Masjid al-Haram anyways? Who do they think they are? وَمَا كَانُوا And they are not awliya'ahu, its awliya. They're not its awliya. They're not its guardians. They're not the ones deserving of being the keepers, the caretakers of the Kaaba. In awliya'uhu, its awliya, its caretakers, its guardians, meaning the guardians of Masjid al-Haram are who? إِلَّا except الْمُتَّقُونَ There are none but those who fear Allah. Who is it that deserves to be the caretaker of a masjid? Someone who looks after a masjid? The guardian of a masjid? Who? The one who fears Allah. وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَهُمْ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ But most of them, they do not know. So in other words, we see that the mushrikeen, they took a lot of pride in the fact that they were the guardians of the Kaaba. The hujjaj that came, they hosted them, they spent on them, they fed them, they made accommodations for them. They supported them in their worship. And because of this, they thought that they were very pious. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, no, you're not. Because you don't have fear of God. You can serve people as much as you want. But if you lack taqwa, you don't fear God, you do khiyana. Instead of asking for forgiveness and guidance, you ask for punishment. You chase the Prophet and the believers away. You don't let them live. You don't deserve to be the awliya of the Kaaba. وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَهُمْ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ This also shows to us that religious leadership, who deserves it? The one who's performing superficial actions? No. The one who has fear of Allah. And how is that fear demonstrated? In the worship of a person, in his dealings with others, in his responding to Allah and his messenger. If he knows yet he doesn't obey, then does he deserve that position? No. The person who puts into practice the rules that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given, He deserves to be given that leadership. وَمَا كَانَ And it was not. صَلَاتُهُمْ Their prayer. عِنْدَ bayt Near the house. Meaning, near the house of Allah. How is it that these people pray anyway? إِلَّا except مُكَاءً مُكَاءً Whistling, وَتَصْلِيَةً And clapping. When they go to the Kaaba, they whistle and clap more than they actually worship. They whistle and clap. Why? Because it's fun. Obviously it's fun. 
When do people whistle and clap? When they're having fun, right? This is what they've made their religion into, whistling and clapping. They don't worship that much. They don't fear Allah. They don't have any love for Him. They don't have respect for Allah. They don't serve Allah. Who are they serving? Their desires. Their ego. This is why their religion, their worship is just about fun, fun, fun. And unfortunately today also, we see that if there is a place where there is some kind of discipline, some kind of organization, people say, oh, too strict. We don't like that. What do people like? Freedom and fun and laughs and jokes. This is what people like. This is what they want religion to become. But religion is not a joke. وَمَا هُوَ بِالْهَزْلِ This is something serious. فَذُوقُ الْعَذَابِ Allah says, so taste the punishment. بِمَا كُنْتُمْ تَكْفُرُونَ Because of your disbelief that you used to do. Meaning this is what they will be told in the hereafter. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا Indeed those who disbelieve. يُنْفِقُونَ أَمْوَالَهُمْ They spend their wealth. Because you see the mushrikeen, instantly they came up with a thousand men. Each and every single one of them was equipped with weapons. They spent so much money in that one expedition, one war. So you would imagine in the future, what would they do? Especially when they went home defeated and angry. The next time they come, they're going to come with more. Allah says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا يُنْفِقُونَ أَمْوَالَهُمْ They spend their money لِيَصْخُدُّوا عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ So that they stop people from the way of Allah. فَسَيُنْفِقُونَهَا So they will spend it. And meaning they will spend even more. They will spend thousands and thousands more. Why? To stop people from the way of Allah. To stop people from the religion of Allah. But you know what? All of the spending is going to be what? ثُمَّ تَكُونُ عَلَيْهِمْ حَسْرَةً It will be for them a hasra, a regret. How will it be a regret? That they will come having spent so much money, but they will go home defeated. Like it happened at Badr. They spent so much money, they came with so much pride, and what happened? They ran in order to save their lives. Everything they brought fell in the hands of Muslims as booty. Hasra, regret. Because if ever you spend your money in something and you fail at it, what is that? Regret. First of all, you're sad because you failed. And secondly, you're so regretful because of spending all that money. It was a total waste. It will be a hasra for them. ثُمَّ يُغْلَبُونَ Then they will be overpowered, meaning they will be defeated. وَالَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا إِلَى جَهَنَّمَ يُحْشَرُونَ And those people who disbelieve to the hellfire, they will be gathered. Meaning ultimately they'll end up there. And there they will have the greatest regrets. Because whatever they did in their lives is a total waste. لِيَمِيزَ اللَّهُ So that Allah may distinguish الْخَبِيثِ The impure مِنَ الطَّيِّبِ From the pure. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows people to spend their wealth against the religion of Allah. He allows such conflicts to take place. Truth to come against falsehood. For the tayyib to fight against the khabis. Why? So that the pure and the evil, the good and the bad can be distinguished. Because until people go through difficulty, they don't really take sides. Right? When they take sides, then it is seen, okay, who actually supports who? Like for example, there's no conflict in the house. Everybody seems to be on the same page. And then one day, the daughter-in-law yells at the mother-in-law. And then there's a there's a fight. And then what happens? Whatever is in their heart, it starts coming out. And you find out that, oh, they don't just dislike the mother-in-law. They also dislike the father-in-law. And they also hate the sister-in-law. And they also hate the sister-in-law's mother-in-law. You see like how far the grudges are? How do they spill out? 
when these conflicts take place. You understand? So why is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lets this conflict take place between Islam and kufr? So that the sincere can be distinguished from the insincere. The pure can be distinguished from the impure. When this happens, there are so many casualties, right? Imagine at Badr, so many people died. Seventy mushrikeen died at the battlefield. Allah says, وَيَجْعَلَ And He makes الخبيث, the impure, بعضه, some of it, عَلَى بَعْضٍ on others. Piled one on top of the other. فَيَرْكُمَهُ So He piles it up. يَرْكُمَ from رَكَاثْ mim To pile up. Piles it up, جَمِيعًا together. فَيَجْعَلَهُ فِي جَهَنَّمَ And He just puts it in hellfire. All of them together, a heap of them, into hellfire, garbage. أُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْخَاسِرُونَ Those are the losers. Because you see, like we discussed earlier, what is it that makes a person's life meaningful? It's the life of iman. Right? And if that's not there, then a person is as good as dead, useless. And when he's useless, where will he end up? In Jannah? Jannah is for useless people? No. Where do you throw useless things? In the garbage. So what is the greatest garbage? Hellfire. So all the impure, they end up in hellfire. قُلْ لِلَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا Allah says, say to the people who have disbelieved, إِنْ يَنْتَهُوا If they stop, يُغْفَرْ لَهُمْ It will be forgiven. What? مَا قَدْ سَلَفْ Whatever that has happened before. Salafa, it passed. Whatever happened before, it will be forgiven if you stop. If you stop, you know, your opposition against the Messenger wasallam. even if you came to fight against him at Badr, you'll be forgiven. وَإِنْ يَعُودُوا And if they return, فَقَدْ Then in fact, مَضَتْ It has passed from Mim Dadia. What has passed? Sunnatul Awaleen, The way of the former people. What is Allah's way with the former people? What was the way? That when they returned in their disobedience, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caught them and punished them. And we see that there were people who fought against the Prophet ﷺ at Badr. And what happened? They became Muslim afterwards. They stopped. And all their sins were forgiven. One of the companions, Amr bin Al-As, when he wanted to become a Muslim, he extended his hand out to make the bay'ah with the Prophet ﷺ and then he stopped. Imagine somebody is extending their hand out to make a promise with you and they just stop. He was hesitant. Prophet ﷺ asked what happened. He said, I pulled my hand away because I want to set a condition that when I become Muslim, my previous sins should be forgiven. My previous crimes should be forgiven. If they're not going to be forgiven, then I don't know if I can become Muslim. The Prophet ﷺ said, الْإِسْلَامُ يَجُبُّ مَا قَبْلَهُ Islam erases whatever occurred before it. And tawbah, repentance, also erases what occurs before it. So whatever you did in the past, even if you came with weapons against the Messenger ﷺ, if you stop and repent, Allah can forgive. This is how forgiving and generous Allah is. No matter what you've done, وَقَاتِلُوهُمْ And fight them. Meaning the enemy who comes back again and again to fight you, then what should you do? Stand and say, oh religion of peace, we can't do anything? People are coming to fight against you. You have to defend yourself. So وَقَاتِلُوهُمْ Fight them. حَتَّى Until لَا تَكُونَ fitna Until there's no more fitna. What is fitna? Tribulation. Temptation. And basically it is referring to religious persecution. Because religious persecution is the greatest trial. Because people are tempted to leave their religion just to save their lives. They're tempted to leave the truth and adopt falsehood just to survive. It's one of the greatest forms of tribulation. So fight until there is no religious persecution. وَيَكُونَ الدِّينُ كُلُّهُ لِلَّهِ And the religion 
all of it, it becomes for Allah. Meaning the religion of Allah is established. Because if the religion of Allah is established, then what will happen? Everyone will be at peace. This is why we see that when Islam was in power in the Muslim lands, who survived? The Jews, the Christians, the fire worshippers. They survived. They had their rights. They even had positions in the government. You know how many Christians worked in the Muslim governments, in the Khilafah? As scribes, they could make money. They had jobs. Yes, they had to pay the jizya, just like the Muslims had to give zakat. But they could live. And the Muslims could also live in peace. There's a lecture by Sheikh Yasir Qadi that I encourage all of you to listen to. I forget its name, but it's about what has happened since 1914. Since the year 1914, the last 100 years. Please, please make sure you listen to it. It's so important. You know when Israel was being established, there were Jews in the British cabinet who opposed. They said, no, don't do it. Why? Because it will create tensions between the Jews and the Christians and the Muslims. Until now, we've been living happily. And if you create this, then what will happen? Tensions will happen. So we see this, that when Islam was in power, everyone was able to survive. وَيَكُونَ الدِّينُ كُلُّهُ if they stop, then Allah is watching all that they're doing. And Allah will hold them accountable. If they turn away, and they fight against you, they raise their weapons against you, and you're afraid of facing them in the future, then rely on Allah. Then know that Indeed, Allah is your friend, is your protector. Excellent is the protector. And excellent is the helper. Because when you realize that somebody is against you, whether it's an individual or a group of people, you feel threatened, you feel very weak. But don't worry, because who's protecting you? Allah is protecting you. And when He is protecting you, then He's the best helper. He's the best support that you can have. But who is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala supports? The one who goes out in the way of Allah. Let's listen to the recitation. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu la takhunu allaha wa rasoola wa takhunu amanatikum wa antum ta'lamoon wa'lamu annama amwalukum wa awladukum fitnatun wa وَيَمْكُرُونَ وَيَمْكُرُ اللَّهُ وَاللَّهُ خَيْرُ الْمَاكِرِينَ وَإِذَا تُتْلَى عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتُنَا قَالُوا قَدْ سَمِعْنَا 
قالوا قد سمعنا لو نشاء لقلنا مثل هذا ان هذا الا اساطير الاولين واذ قالوا اللهم ان كان هذا هو الحق من عندك فأمطر علينا فأمطر علينا حجارة من السماء أو ائتنا بعذاب أليم وما كان الله ليعذبهم وأنت فيهم وما كان الله معذبهم وهم يستغفرون وما لهم الا يعذبهم الله وهم يصدون عن المسجد الحرام وما كانوا اولياءه ان اولياءه المتقون ولكن أكثرهم لا يعلمون وما كان صلاتهم عند البيت إلا مكاء وتصدية فذوقوا العذاب بما كنتم تكفرون إن الذين كفروا ينفقون أموالهم ليصدوا عن سبيل الله فسينفقونها ثم تكون عليهم حسرة ثم يغلبون والذين كفروا إلى جهنم يحشرون ليميز الله الخبيث من الطيب ويجعل الخبيث بعضه على بعض فيركمه جميعا فيجعله في جهنم أولئك هم الخاسرون قل للذين كفروا إن ينتهوا يغفر لهم ما قد سلف وإن يعودوا فقد مضت سنة الأولين وقاتلوهم حتى لا تكون فتنة ويكون الدين كله لله فإن انتهوا فإن الله بما يعملون بصير وإن تولوا فاعلموا أن الله مولاكم نعم المولى ونعم النصير 
سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد ان لا اله الا انت نستغفرك ونتوب اليك السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته